Okay, so back for part three of the Coffin Heroes roundup of best of 2018. Uh, so next category is best single issue. So this uh, category came about because the idea was that it didn't matter if it was issue nine of a 13 issue miniseries or issue 54 of an ongoing whatever. It was just one single issue that you read and you just closed the page at the end and thought that was damn great. Um, it can be from anything, DC, Marvel, Indie, the floor is open. Uh, so I think with this one we will actually start with Keith. Oh. Just because, he, just because he had his sheet in his um, hand. Okay, so <laughs> for me, uh, best single issue uh, of this year, I jumped between two. And both of them were Spider-Man stories. Uh, either uh, Peter Parker or Peter Parker. Peter Parker, the spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man, uh, which was written and drawn by Chip Zdarsky. Is that 309? That was 310. Uh, that wasn't what I chose. In the end, I went with The Amazing Spider-Man number 801. So... Uh, Good shot. Good shot. Spider-Man 800 was supposedly dance, the end of Dan Slott's 10-year run on The Amazing Spider-Man. Fantastic run. Beautiful run. Uh, I mean, it... As with as with any ten year run, as we talked about with the Walking Dead earlier on, you put your ups and downs, but it was character defining. It was legendary. Um, it's going to be up there with, with you know, Stanley's run on, on Spider Man, um, and and eight hundred, which was his final his fight go against down swinging. Yeah, yeah, go down swinging, which ended up in the in a fight against a, a carnage possessed Norman Osborn. It was almost a uh, graphic novel in size. It, it was even a chapter. Was, and it, it, I'm sure it'll make a fantastic yeah. graphic novel. But, and, and I guess 801 could nearly have been like a an add-on to that story. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. It was its own, its own story. An It was. It was illustrated by Marcus, Marcus Martin. He had previously uh, illustrated Dan Slott's No One Day storyline, which was the and there for you, which which um, well the, the dance lock the the the, the no one day storyline was the storyline in which uh, Peter Parker after uh, Jameson's wife had died had declared that no one else would die in his watch, which was just an impossible task to fulfill. But this story there for you, uh, which was which took place in it one, it opens three weeks after the death of Uncle Ben and introduces us to uh, Kenneth Kincaid Jr. Uh, and he's. Uh, like an office worker and he's been saved by Spider-Man uh, I think there was a there was like a robbery uh, if I recall there was a robbery and uh, he was saved and you know it seems like a like a story we've never it's, it's, it's just another story of Spider-Man saving a guy uh, it's nothing nothing sort of stand out uh, but the thing that, that does make it stand out is that is that Marcus Martin uh really emulates Steve Ditko style as a as an artist and was telling a story that took place during that during that time that Steve Ditko was drawing Spider Man. Mm -hmm. Um so the next there, there's another page that follows that follows uh Kincaid Jr. for the next ten years, which is ten years uh both ten years that Dan Slott wrote Spider Man and, you know, ten years in which uh Peter Parker's career as Spider-Man continues and then we're back to the present day so we're back up to date you know uh, and Spider-Man I think is battling he's fighting with Mr. Negative 
I think, mm -hmm. who is standout for his role in the PlayStation 4 game uh, most recently. Um, and, you know, Kincaid is also there to see this. You know, this guy that Spidey had saved 10 years ago is also there to see this. It's just to see this. And as, uh, you know, Spidey defeats Mr. Negative and leaves him webbed up and swings away, um, Kincaid is with his niece and she's kind of going, well, why could we not have met a, like a more exciting superhero like uh, Thor or Captain Marvel or Black Panther who were interesting because they were all superheroes who are now in the movies yeah. you know what I mean and that's what kids are looking at now they're not looking at the comic books they're looking at the movies you know so I thought that was kind of cool yeah. um, <laughs> and you know she's going but they go around you know saving the world and uh, you know and then uh, the next thing that happens is Uncle Ken uh, he explains you know in this this passage that Spider-Man saves the world every single day that every person out there means the world to somebody that Spidey's out there risking his neck for all of them whether it's their best friends whether it's their husbands or wives whether it's their mums or dads their girlfriends or their uncles he's there every day saving somebody's world and that to me was just the, the sum up of you know Dan Slott's run the sum mm -hmm. up of uh, Spider-Man you know what I mean he's a street level hero he's not a I mean he does find himself fighting you know alongside the Avengers and fighting along but He's quintessentially a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and yeah. every time he saves someone's life, he's saving some. He's Key saving the world. Neighborhood, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I just, it was just beautiful. It was really lovely, and just that we, just those wee nods, you know, the Uncle Ben, the Uncle Ken, you know, those wee things. I just thought, I thought, and it was just poignant because it was Dan Slott's last story, yeah. uh, before the Nick Spencer Ryan Otley run, which is fantastic, as you mentioned earlier on. But uh, just for me, as you know, Spider-Man's my guy, has always been my guy. That was just a lovely end to a lovely arc, a lovely run, standalone story, personal story. That's Spider-Man. Yeah. In a nutshell. What, what I loved about that issue, just as you say, the main cover of it was a massive group of people standing in like a New York street or whatever, and the shadow creates Spider-Man. Yeah. Now that's a nice cover, but I actually thought the second printing cover was better. It was one Marcus Martin had done where Spidey's just swinging away and you just see him from the back over the rooftops. It's a very clean image, very mm -hmm. simple, but it's very four colour. It's mm -hmm. very Ditko, it's very it's yeah, well, that, it's yeah. like a great way of saying goodbye to him almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, it's 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 it feels strange because it's goodbye just to say hello again, but it's yeah. a goodbye to Dan Slott, who's now moved on to uh, a brilliant, fantastic four run. An all right Iron Man run. Um, is there anything above an alright Iron Man? Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the best, um, one of the best stories I'd heard regarding this issue and Dan Slott's run in total was this little, like, eight or nine year old kid went to see uh -huh. Dan Slott at a convention and stood in the queue for about 45 minutes, then got to the front and met Dan Slott and started crying. And Dan Slott was like, Look, what's wrong? And he was like, I can't imagine a world where you're not writing Spider-Man. <laughs> My whole life, you've been writing Spider-Man. And he was saying that, like, I think he tells this story at the back of it, I don't think that's where it was. And he was just saying like, he hadn't realised the enormity of what he had written and how many lives it had touched until mm. that moment. Just the innocence of a little kid going, I can't read Spider-Man anymore. That's, because, yeah, I've heard that story. Yeah. Because you've always written it. So, uh, again, I think Nick Spencer's pulled it off brilliantly since, but that was a lovely send-off. It's interesting because the, the 
the Zdarsky title the 310 that I'd chosen was also a personal story mm-hmm. it, it was also a point of view story that wasn't from Spy's point of view it was from the, you know a, a documentary maker's point of view of, of how Spider-Man affects other people's lives yeah. and I think that's interesting because it dovetails quite nicely into uh, Marvel's and uh, which we'll which talk we about t- more later which we talked about last week um, you know annotated Marvel's which is coming out next you know in February uh, you know it's those point. It's, it's interesting I think seeing the point of view of everyday people on superheroes yeah. and, and I think that's what makes those two issues oh excellent so that's uh, Keith shout out for best single issue so the last issue of Dan Slot's Amazing Spider-Man run which was issue 801 uh, how about yourself, Karen? Best single issue. Yeah. Um. This one I struggled. Um. It was. It, it wasn't best single issue. Like loads. There was loads of times where I sort of put down an issue. Man, that was great. And then didn't think about it again, because it was just sort of the part of an ongoing bigger arc. Yeah. Um. Some of the stuff resonated with me from last year that still sort of stuck in my head. Vegan issue, Walking Dead, one special for Swamp Thing, things like that. Um. One of them. Um, my phone's just went off the page, but it's it's the prelude to the weddings. It's Nightwing versus Hush. Mm-hmm. That issue it was my favorite of all the preludes because it was what prelude to the wedding should have been, mm-hmm. which was it was just Batman on a on a bachelor party where me you and Stephen have joked about this in the past. Yeah, where that should be an issue, but it it starts off it's Batman, Superman, Nightwing going out going to. Bad burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Having a burger. A Tom Keen establishment. Yeah. Tom Keen establishment. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, I didn't notice this until there and I. Um, if he was just slagging off, Tim CD wrote this issue <laughs> <laughs> where I was going on about him. That's alright. It's alright. You slag off Tim Seeley off the air. It's yeah. alright. <laughs> but um, it's it's basically the start of it is what the prelude should have been, where it's just fun, light, airy, but then it brings in one of the best. Of the Batman villains that was underused. Yeah, big time. Hush. He, he hasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't in New Fifty Two much. No, he was referenced much. a few times. Yeah. Was, he was referenced. Is that Eternal? I think. Yeah, Batman Eternal. He Batman. was referenced a few times in um, All Star Batman. He was referenced in one of the one of the um, arcs where Bruce goes undercover as Hush. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was completely underused. But this issue, it has. It has the lighter tone. It has horror elements where they go to a multiverse, a multiverse universe, and it's all zombies and things. And it's basically Nightwing and Hush in the way of manner, and Hush is sort of fighting between how Nightwing is what um, Hush should be, mm-hmm. whereas Bruce should be looking down on uh, on Hush instead of looking down on on Dick. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all between basically the two button heads because Bruce prefers Dick and it, it's, it's just it's a good one solid issue even if it wasn't to do with the wedding it yeah. would still be a good issue explore some good things some interesting yeah. ideas um, but it, it, it it's given hope that Hush is coming back at some stage <laughs> yeah I mean that was my initial take from it when it was first announced I was like finally we're getting the Hush yeah. story again uh, it'd be great to see Hush back in a much more pronounced role mm. I mean it's just begging for um for Tom Keane to include him in his run somewhere, but I think it's too far gone. Yeah. I think Tom Keane's kind of introduced all the characters he's going to use in the Batman's, like his 100-issue Batman story, and I think it's too late now. I think he's established all those villains and they'll pop up in the next... They all appeared at the end of Batman 50 here. Absolutely. The one that is really 
tweak in me that nothing has been said about yet is skates. Oh, okay. Booster Gold's uh, partner. I think that was is, more of just a reference to. I don't that know. Story. It was weird for it to. It was weird for him to appear there. The wee drone. The wee. Mm-hmm. We did. Was he not just lying destroyed on? At no, the he wasn't. He was lying. He was on the ground. But I mean, I'm pretty sure I have an issue of Batman Fifty around here somewhere. If you know. <laughs> Several issues. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, so that, that's the one that, 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 that interested me most. Yeah, you know, be interesting to find out that Skeets is the master villain manipulating, manipulating time <laughs> via Booster Gold. I don't know. I think based on the end of Batman, it's, that could be that could be a theory. I'm starting things no. are starting to click. Just just based on the the recent issue where Bane is being rolled along on a uh, hospital gurney, and then a wee slow smile appears on his face. He's he's clearly the master architect. Um. Yeah, cool. So that was uh, Kieran's choice, which was the Nightwing versus Hush one shot, uh, prelude to the wedding. I may as well jump in at this point with my favorite single issue, which was Batman Fifty. Um, I know that was planned. I know that Batman Fifty is very polarizing, and I think where Batman Fifty failed for a lot of people wasn't even in the storytelling; it was in the marketing, yeah. and they had marketed this as the wedding of the year and. You know, finally Batman and Catwoman are going to get married and buy all these prelude issues and working up to it for six months or whatever. But see just outside of all that nonsense, see just this single issue. It was fantastic. It was a celebration of all things Batman. It was a celebration of Batman and Catwoman's relationship. It had splash pages from all the best Batman artists the last 30 years. And ones that aren't as good anymore. Yeah, like Frank Miller, yeah. but also, you know, you would pages in there from Greg Capullo, from Lee Weeks, from Tim Sale, even though he's a bit of an asshole, uh, Jim Lee, from John Romita Jr., from, it had pages in there from every Batman artist you can think of, but at the same time it told the story of Batman and Catwoman's, quote, wedding. What I loved about this issue, and you know, I've done a separate podcast on this, so I'll not talk too long about it. But what I loved about this issue was that if this had have ended with both Batman and Catwoman both deciding simultaneously this is not the best thing, I think I would have hated it. Yeah. I think that it would have been a cop-out. What I loved about this issue was that after everything he's been through, it was Bruce who was willing to make this leap and not Selina. Mm-hmm. Bruce stood on that rooftop for two hours waiting for her. And even Alfred says on the rooftop, like, we can wait a little longer if you want, sir. And... You know, he just, he's like, no, it's done. And jumps off the roof. Yeah. And what this issue has set up is the rest of this run. You know, it runs into an arc where Bruce is doubting himself yeah. about, you know, capturing Mr. Freeze. Did I do this correct? It's led into his unstable state of mind with the whole being arc. This? It's led into him losing family members with, you know, yeah. Nightwing and the way Dick Grayson is. It was just a brilliant, brilliant issue and even just small moments in it. And again, this nearly made my moment of the year. There's a moment where Bruce is just sitting on his phone and he's in his he's in his wedding uh, tux <coughs> and Alfred goes, shall I call, you know, Master Clark perhaps or Master Dick to be, you know, your witness? And Bruce doesn't even think about it. He doesn't even look up from his phone. He's a bit of a dick about it. He's like, ah, come on, Alfred. It's, it's you. It's always been you. Yeah. And then Alfred sits down beside him, looks away looks at him, the two of them share a moment and embrace. And it's a beautiful distillation of their relationship, which then pays off even more in Batman Annual 3, which, mm-hmm. you know, has yep. recently come Fantastic. out. So, I mean, Batman 50, I absolutely adored it. And, you know, it, it has become a running joke now of, 
and an intervention required of me collecting um, bearing covers and stuff but the issue itself just felt special to me and it felt yeah. special while I read it it felt like a celebration of all things Batman and I, I genuinely can't speak highly enough of it mm-hmm. and the best part of it all is it's only halfway through Tom Keane's 100 issue yeah. story it's, this is the thing though that it's okay maybe Batman 50 was disappointed for some people but this full Tom King run has built up and it's coming off on the wedding. Yeah. Everything is led up the wedding and everything for the rest of the run is leading off of the wedding. Yeah. You can it's have the perfect midpoint. It. Yeah. You couldn't have the run without it. Yeah. And even just the end of Batman 50 where, you know, Bane's sitting at a desk saying like the bat is broken and behind him is Flashpoint Batman, Skeet, as uh, Keith had mentioned, the Joker's there, the Riddler's there. Is Kite Man there? Kite Man was there. Yeah. Um, uh, Gotham... Gotham Girl was there like so there's all these characters and it's just like remember all those people I introduced 50 issues before this boom they're all there all these guys they're going to affect the next 50 issues I just think it's a master stroke of long form storytelling and I think that's a lovely lovely turn of phrase as well because whenever Bane was introduced he broke the bat physically yeah he's breaking it mentally exactly and you know I I couldn't ask for any more from this run at the moment every week or every fortnight there's a new Batman issue top of the reading time it is every time first thing I want to read and uh, it's only getting better yeah so it's one of the few the few few books that I do not resent being fortnightly yeah but fuck I hope when it comes to 100 it goes back to monthly again (laughs) (laughs) well that's it I mean when it was new 52 you didn't mind waiting a month and it was a special special run but there's just something about this that I I love that it's fortnightly but you know same as yourself it's more because it's not really an action oriented title anymore yeah it's more dialogue driven and sort of thought you almost need it to be fortnightly because there's so much to it that there's little subtle nuances throughout the storytelling that if there was a month between issues you might forget yeah you know so but um yeah as I say that's that's my you know shout out for best single issue of the year which is Batman 50 um how about yourself Roddy well, for me, I'm going to go with the complete opposite when you were saying about your long-form storytelling. I don't know if I am maybe cheating here, but I'm going to go for an annual. Is it common? Yeah. Then you're okay? Yeah. It's a sp- the, I'm going to follow Keith's lead and go for the Amazing Spider-Man annual number one, written by Sal- Sal- or, excuse me, Saladin Ahmed and writ- or drawn by Gary Brown definitely completely not long form storytelling but just a short oh well actually yes it's it's almost the longest yeah (laughs) yeah, because it ties into everything it ties ties in but it's also just this ties into everything that made Venom Venom it ties yeah uh but it says remember we were talking about everything that was wrong with Venom yeah in the movie this is a right. it's like Venom's not out it's absolutely fantastic Venom's on the phone he's ready to go I'm going to take Peter Parker's body for a drive (laughs) but it's like if you haven't if you don't if you haven't heard of it before this was a big um, pick up from the store yeah yeah, it's it's just um, it was absolutely fantastic it's about Spider-Man you know returns back home from the symbiote saga what is is it Secret Wars Secret Wars so he comes back he has the Venom suit or the symbiote as it's called but the symbiote is a living alien which he does not know yeah at that moment yeah yeah. Yeah. and so the symbiote's trying to learn from peter and he's trying to when peter goes out he's spider-man 
trying to save the world trying it's, to help people yeah trying, trying to do really trying to please Peter yeah trying yeah. to do Spider-Man things and then so the symbiote sees this and he's like well I can do that too and then so he goes out and he tries to do these and, things and I don't need him something. to be awake for me to do these things yeah he takes Peter out while he's asleep so Peter, Peter has maybe. no yeah <laughs> Peter has no like recollection of it he wakes up and he's tired and he's like well what, I love what, that like, aspect what of what we're saying but then but then, I mean it was interesting because this was the this was the symbiote's perspective, well, perspective. Yeah. if you and I'll bring it for you next week is the saga of the alien costume which mm-hmm. is that entire story and it's from Peter's point of view and he's so tired that he starts to screw up his life he starts to screw up his relationships he starts to screw up his schooling he starts to screw up being Spider-Man yeah because he's so tired because the symbiote is taking his he's body yeah, yeah exactly yeah and he it's, doesn't know it, you know. Yeah, it's utterly fantastic storytelling, but um, just I was gonna say it's so concise and it's just like this one-off story, but it's well, it's obviously not because it ties into. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what, you're exactly right. It is a one-off story. Yeah, but you can it's pick just, it up having yeah, never read yeah, anything else before. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it certainly helps to it's to realize that it is the it's, it's like the flip a well-made and, Marvel movie. Yeah, exactly. you can watch it on its own. But if you've seen stuff yeah. beforehand, yeah. <laughs> but I love um, I love the humor in it as well. It's just it's very funny, but it's also it's got a lot of heart as well because the symbiote, it's almost like a child. It, it just is, wants, yeah, it's just trying, wants it's trying to, to learn. It's trying. It to just wants to please, please him. Yeah. See, when I read this issue, and I think I said this to Keith before, but see, anytime the symbiote speaks, I have the golem voice in my head. Yeah. We must please master. master we must yeah. please him. I had the golem voice in my head the whole way through that Andy Circus. Yeah. It's, um, it's been a while since I read this issue, but does it pick up? I might be remembering completely wrong. Does it pick up and show an issue number where it fits between for the alien suit? Uh, it, it, it does. It lets you know where yeah, it fits in the alien yeah. yeah. I, I, did, yeah. I wasn't sure if I remembered it correctly or made that up in my head. If it didn't make up an ink lot. I am sorry, we editors. There is a wee editor. There is no saying this takes place during. Sorry, it takes place between or during. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, it also had a crack and bearing cover, Gabriel yeah. Delotto, yeah. again, sold oh, well through the store. Um, yeah, this, this was a great, this is a great shout out. And actually, it's interesting you mentioned it because I will revert back to that annual in a couple of categories time oh. as well. So, go through the best. Uh, Single issue for the year? Saga? Yeah, we'll always go back to Saga 54 because of the defining moment, so we'll just leave that there. We'll stick with Saga 54 from Vicky. Cool, so we move on to the next um, uh, category. Uh, I'll go first with this one because I will actually wrap it up in about 45 seconds. So, best indie title of the year. For me, again, like uh, Kieran says, he's a broken drum with Justice League Dark. Uh, I'm the same, I'm sorry, broken drum? A broken record. Broken drum. Um, Probably Trump doesn't drum. play a tune either. It's definitely a new, uh, it's definitely it's a new phrase. But yeah, for me, deadly class. Uh, it just continues to excel. I hate the wait between issues. I hate it when it takes a break. It's back in January. I recommend to absolutely everybody in the store, and I can't speak highly enough of it. Keith also told me earlier on tonight that uh, the pilot has went live online. So. I just want to finish this up so I can watch it. I'm not going to lie. It's not going to happen until tomorrow night because it's way yeah. too late. But yeah, for me, best in the title continues to be Rick Remender, Wes Craig, Deadly Class. So much so that you probably have got our brother-in-law into it. Oh, I've, even, I've got so many non-comic readers. Like, um, See, I was going to do 45 okay, seconds it. and not just have stop. to tell a story. No, no, you don't. You don't. Carry on. Carry on. I'm, I'm just thinking if I could get my taxi to take 45 minutes, drive me home so I could watch on the phone. 
<laughs> Not designed to be watched on your phone. Right, I'm going to leave it there. For me, Debbie Class. Kieran. It's going to be God Complex Dogma. Very niche. I think it's the title that only you and I read this year. Yeah, it's fucking good. And it was one of those books where every time it came out, I was, like, I was so excited to get home. Because it was one of those titles I would take out. The Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack. Hit the, the, the symbol. Perfect the, accompaniment. Ragger player. And sit and read the issue. It's basically it's a it's a sci-fi story. Um, I'm not even sure of the artist or the writers. Doesn't matter. Come on, clearly <laughs> does. No, Alan's good on it. Um, but it's it's sci-fi storyline. It's it takes very much from the vein of like um, Deus Ex, <laughs> Deus Ex games, and takes sort of religious cults and things like that, melts it all together. It's it's so out of the out of this world where you just don't know what's going on until you're reading it. It's hard to explain, but it fits so well together when you're reading it that you just completely fall. And it all basically opens up with a group of religious prophets, you would say. Mm-hmm. They're, they've been murdered, um, and basically a detective's been brought on to to investigate what's happened. And it's it's slowly becoming like a bit of a um, a bit of a ongoing story where it seems that things have all been set up in place for this one detective to be in certain places at certain times um, and it's very much sort of goes into religious ideas and things like that it is a great book and it's hard to explain I'm probably explaining it awfully but it is it's, it's one of those books where you should just pick up issue one and give it a go to see how see how it feels on your side if you mm-hmm. would enjoy it or not the art's great and some of the dialogue in it is fantastic or very deep and meaningful it's also a little bit of a frustrating title for yourself, certainly at the moment, in that the first trade has come out and it says Volume 1, Yeah. but there's still been nothing else announced. There's it, no Issue 7 announced. A bit of a spoiler, it does end with To Be Continued. Yeah. But they've but never mentioned it We're still waiting. You know, it's, Even it's with Sabrina previews, over With previews, whenever the last issue was listed in previews, I read through the blurb and it was just End of, end of First end arc. Of And they oh. never mentioned it again. So I have a feeling it might not even come back. Yeah. But it's based on a, it's based on it originally based it was originally based on a figure line. Um which a lot of people it was it was only in Japan, but it was basically it, it, the figure line was so popular that they decided to make a, a story around it. To try and sort of push the figures further. Yeah. Uh, well it was a, it was a six issue miniseries in total. The first trade of it is available now. Uh it is another one to try to keep in the store because again it's it is something a little bit niche, but I've I've read it myself as well. I thought it was fantastic. It's actually written by Paul Jenkins, um, so known as a writer on Inhumans, Wolverine Origin, that kind of thing. Uh, the artist I wasn't too familiar with beforehand called Henry Poseida, um, with who only seems to have really worked on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers before. I think I could be wrong, but I think he's the one who's designed the figures oh, in the first place. Why that would make sense. Yeah. Cool. So that is Kieran's shout out then for uh, best indie title, which was uh, God Complex. Uh, on to Keith. This was a struggle for me. This was a mad struggle. In fact, all of these three best indie, best Marvel, best DC were all struggle for me, and I take that as a great thing because it means there's so much good yeah. stuff coming out everywhere. Uh, so, I, so I take that as, but but that does not. So you have a top three then. Well, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it to one. We've talked. No, about, no, no, tell us three, two, one. We've talked about Oblivion Song. We've talked about Day. We've talked about Middle West. We've talked about the Magic Order. Uh, we've mentioned Farmhand. 
and there's another couple that are uh, that are well there's another one that's going to come up later on so for that reason I'm going to choose uh, Lazarus as my top empty title which is an image title and it's also worth noticing that all those empty titles are image titles <laughs> but uh, uh, Lazarus as my as my top title I don't know if you've read Lazarus I've read the or, first or, two trades so we're 27 issues into Lazarus and as I was saying to you I've seen an advert for something called Lazarus Reborn I think it's going to be announced in the next previews book interesting uh Lazarus is by Greg Rucker and Michael Lark. Greg Rucker writing, uh, previously known for Daredevil, for one thing. In fact, that team was previously Daredevil. The only thing uh, I know Greg Rucker for is it was him and Brubaker uh, collaborated on Gotham Central. That's also mm-hmm. true. Uh, Michael Lark was also on Daredevil. Um, they started it in, I think it's it launched in 2012, and it's sort of a dystopian science fiction uh, thing. So the the world uh, they never tell you what date it is but it's it's 60 65 years post an event uh, a world changing event and the world has now been divided into 16 territories which are ruled by families uh, and those families have you know you're either family or you're serf or you're waste you know what I mean so it's a class system you know if you're if you're waste it means you're just you're, you're, you're low class, you're working class, you've got very few rights, you don't have any right to education. If you're serf, then you're skilled in some way, you know, to serve the family and if your family, you know, so this, the Lazarus, Lazarus refers to the fact that each of the families has got uh, a commander of their army or a commander of their forces or, a, or a, an exemplar uh, warrior who they have created through their, their technology. So for one of the families, uh, Hawk, who specialise in sort of chemicals and chemistry, that that individual is someone who is totally roided up and is totally you know they, they work off chemicals to keep their keep them alive and keep them strong. For another family, that might be someone who's modified by cybernetics. But for the Carlyle family, who are the point of view family that we we sort of go from, that individual is forever Carlyle, who is the daughter. Uh, and they, the Carlyles have made their fortune based on genetics and uh, modification of genetics and so they, they feed most of the world through genetic modified crops they, uh, they use their genetics to make all of them on, you know, they defeat old age and forever is the experiment she's, she's Captain America she's the ultimate warrior she's fast, she's strong uh, and it's nearly a coming of age story for her uh, and it's about that there's a there's a real political edge to it there, you know it's all about the politics of running the world between these families and the battles going between them and the you know but what really gets me with Lazarus and I have never seen the like of it in any book before is the world building it's incredible uh, the the I think this sells better in trade than it does in single issues and the back matter in every issue or in every trade, or in every one of the big collected editions, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, what you miss, I think, in trade, is the letters pages, where Greg Rucka goes into the research he's been doing, and pegs up news stories that he's been talking about, about, uh, you know, cutting edge technology, and bleeding edge technology, and about politics, and about, he's, he's massively, as everybody should be, anti-Trump. Um, you know, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, and he, he talks about how he, That'll tie into my well, best yeah, miniseries really, or best indie title. You know, and he's looking at how he, he looks at the, 
you know the rise of how, how fascist societies start and how we've ended up in 66 years or whatever it is from whatever happened which is it's not it's not the world is not entirely outside the realms of what we see around us yeah, it's, it's a very not, near future. It's near. It is near future. Yeah, it's, it's not possible near future. It is. It's and that's what makes it. And and, and I think the research that he does, he's just it's almost Black Mirror esque. Mm. You know what I mean? Where Black Mirror takes the TV show, takes elements of our current society, and just dials them up just enough that they're uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? But not too far that it's that unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah. So Lazarus does exactly the same thing. Um, what a book! Uh, it really is. It really is fantastic. Um. It, you know, Greg Rucka has said it'll run, originally said it would run for 150 issues, he's now half that. You know, they, between, I think, issue 26 and 27, they released uh, Lazarus uh, Source books. Uh, Plus 66, which oh, was yeah. a six-issue miniseries that, that followed uh, one of the members of the Carlyle family who had disappeared. So it was a, it was a spin-off nearly, mm-hmm. great story as well. Um, they released the source books as well, uh, which are really, really dense source books based on each family, whether it's Carlyle or Hawk or... I remember you talking about the source books. Like yeah. They for like a role-playing They game. are Green Roland, which is a publishing company which has released... Uh, a role-playing company yeah. which I think released uh, using some masterminds and a whole lot of different books has are releasing a, a Lazarus source book for one of their games. They're creating a game around it and it's... It's because there is so much world to yeah. play in. It's fantastic, great. Lazarus, highly recommended image. So, of course, another image series because, as Keith clearly illustrated at the start of that, there's just so many great uh, image series at the moment. Other other indie series are doing, or other indie publishers, I should say, are um, you know delivering some great work as well. But image does seem to stand head and shoulders above the rest in the indie world to the point where we almost feel guilty calling them an indie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, comic line now to be honest um, so how about yourself then Roddy best indie title we were promised some Trumpian overtones here yeah is well it it's Trump uh... stole Christmas <laughs> or well <laughs> what was it's... the other one the Tremendous Trump was another one this year which was oh, geez, uh, really? had a cover that was a parody of Hulk 181 I really would prefer if they didn't uh, aggrandize them at all because <laughs> that dickhead feeds on media like you know well, speaking on <laughs> speaking about an entity that feeds on something, this um, my best indie title was called Infidel, and I picked it up as a graphic novel last week, but not from Coffee and Heroes. <gasps> <laughs> Get out! Uh, I just had to admit it there. I'm sorry, everyone. It's all right, people. I'm he sorry. told me this earlier. We, we fought it out for half an hour. There was tears, but it's, it's all right. But anyway, was that yeah. Roddy crying or are you crying? <laughs> that was me crying. Okay. Um. So basically, um, I don't want to get too much into it because I just think you should read it because it's fantastic. It's only a five issue miniseries, and they just a few months ago they released a trade. Um, it's by I don't even know can't pronounce his name after a few beers. It's called Pornsack Piche Shot. Mm-hmm. I good with that. Yep, yeah. I, t- I tried, and then <laughs> the art the art is by Aaron Keith's Campbell. Brand, yeah. Keith, Keith, Keith appreciated. <laughs> The art's by Aaron Campbell, a and then the colorist is Jose Villarubia. Um, it's just like, it's um, it's described as a haunted house story for the 21st century. Ooh. So it's basically about a Muslim woman, and she marries a non-Muslim man. Her friends, neighbors move close to a house, um, and the house is haunted. 
and basically it's about this house something has happened in the past a long time ago it's been a few murders may have may or may not be an indian burial ground that kind of thing um, and it's like the house sort of feeds on all this xenophobia racism and negativity and don't so that's why it's so powerful in the modern world yeah it's like it's one of the few books that i've seen that's like reflective of our times and it's not afraid to just go for the juggler mm-hmm. but um i don't want to say any more because it's like it's just a book you should pick up because the first if i say anything more it will spoil everything for you yeah I, I haven't personally read it so far there's another regular in the store brandon who reads it and he swears by it and says it's fantastic but uh, yeah, just based on that intriguing premise, I think I'll be uh, getting the trade and uh, jumping onto that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to throw in a best indie title over there while you're just about still awake? I'd have to say Kick-Ass Volume 4 are we on now? With, um, yes. It's obviously they've gone in a completely different direction. There's now a female in the lead role of Kick-Ass and... She has a military background, and I think we spoke about it a bit before in the last podcast. Um, I like it because obviously, one, it's Mark Miller and John Wiener Jr., so I'll always go back to it anyway. But it was nice to see, once again, like Wonder Woman, having a strong female character, being a badass, and showing that she can be in a, a situation that a guy can find himself in, and be able to get herself out of it. Mm-hmm. so I would say yeah Kick-Ass is, is very it's interesting I'd put the current run of Kick-Ass alongside something like The Silencer which I don't think it's a coincidence that John Romita Jr. drew the first few issues of it and then left us back and then left us hang <laughs> you know I even I did ask him about that I was like you know I was really disappointed when you left that and you said yeah DC just pulled me over to this other thing and that was Superman yeah one. it was a marketing tool so, was, which is why that whole but he is. said he would have loved to have stayed on it he yeah. said he loved drawing the first issue of that what was that that whole imprint was the Age of Age of Ah, the New Age of Heroes New Age of Heroes that was so that New was Age of Heroes that. were all spin-offs out of Metal and it has been interesting to go back and read Metal again because there are subtle hints to all of them but for me the only ones I've really stuck with are Damage and Silencer for me yeah. well silencers always left for me I jumped off the terrific so it was alright for a while but then Fantastic Four came back so it didn't need them anymore <laughs> they were plugging a hole in your heart for a little while <laughs> and then the originals came back uh, cool so that's us off of best indie title we'll jump on to best DC title uh, which we will do after a very quick break <laughs> Okay, so back now for part four of our uh, Coffee and Heroes end of year show for 2018. Uh, so we took a little quick break there. Roddy had to unfortunately leave us. Um, we've been recording now for about four and a half hours at this point, And he, he had to nip off. But he did send us his list so we can at least give honourable mentions to the titles he enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I was going to go on to Best DC next, but I'll actually go on to Best Marvel. Um, as Vicky will be giving her final answer of the evening. And then she has the nip off. Dropping like flies here. Um, We started with six, soon to be three. Well, the fact that I have to be up in five and a half hours, kind of... She does have to work at 5.30 in the morning, so we'll forgive her. So that's why we've moved up the best Marvel title. I'll just throw it in really quickly before we jump on to what Vicky's choice was. Uh, Roddy sent us a a message, and his was the Immortal Hulk, which we, of course, have covered at length already. 
Um, but for Vicky's best Marvel title, it's something that has not been mentioned at all so far, and that would be the current run or was the current run of Old Man Logan. Um, it was fifty issues. The last issue was about two months ago. Like two months ago. Yeah. Um, I've always well since reading comics, especially over the last four or five years, I've got into Wolverine. Um, being my main Marvel character that I read. Um, I'm not sure what it is about Wolverine that I like. Hugh Jackman. <coughs> Maybe Hugh Jackman was part of it, but um, it's just always been one of the sort of the sort of super. You can't really call him a superhero because he's just always had that anger within him, but he always does good eventually. But I've got the original Old Man Logan. And sort of reading Old Man Logan, the new one, going from issue 1 to 50, it's sort of a nice way to sort of go through how, um, sort of how he gets to that point in his life. And obviously leading into Dead Man Logan, which started about a month ago, because issue 2 came out this week. So it's all leading in together. But um, Dead Man Logan, that's, that's going to be the swan song of Old Man Logan. Yeah. So uh, it's Because sort of, Wolverine is now back, and therefore they don't need... Old yeah, I mean, Old Man Logan, it almost picked up the slack of the lack of Wolverine. Yeah. So you obviously had the death of Wolverine. We all know in comics, no one stays dead forever, but they do take extended holidays. <laughs> uh, Wolverine has been out for a few years. In the Bahamas. Uh, taking it easy. But now, yeah, as, as Keith mentioned, you've got the return of Wolverine, which is as far as issue three. Um, but Old Man Logan kept it going, and... I haven't read it as much as Vicky has read it at this point. I must actually jump into it a bit more, but I know when it started, it was Jeff Lemire writing it. It was Andrea Sorrentino on artwork, who's one of my absolute favourite artists. Um, so I must jump into it more, but it seemed to be the way that I talk about Batman and it's the first to my pile every week when it comes out. Old Man Logan seemed to be the first one that yeah, on the top uh, of yours. Yeah, Old Man Logan or sort of now Dead Man Logan that's at the top as long as, uh, along with sort of middle west and stuff like that so yeah it's sort of at the top um just sort of would you say that issue 50 was a fitting end to the run it left it open for what's hap- gonna be happening because mm-hmm. pretty much where it ended it started in the next issue of or the first issue of dead man logan how many so how many issues is dead man logan gonna be five five yeah okay oh it's interesting because in the in x-men gold and in uncanny x-men I think they're sort of exp- they're leading towards replacing Old Man Logan with Wolverine again mm. and in some ways over the past year outside of maybe the Old Man Logan book he's effectively just become interchangeable with Wolverine yeah. it, it wouldn't matter if it was Wolverine or mm-hmm. Old Man Logan they're, they're just they're the same character they don't mention that he's old and he's you know decrepit and his healing factor doesn't work as well you know it, it, they've effectively become it so because in Old Man Logan, towards the end, it wasn't his healing factor that was helping him heal. It was actually um, essentially a drug that he was taking to help him heal quicker. Because, like everybody, like even the, I think the animantium was causing him, to, it was reacting with his body. Poison him. Yeah. It was yeah, poisoning him. So, so that's the story they picked the dead of Logan, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was killing him. So... Um, I think the name of it was um, uh, I can't pronounce it properly it's 
what do you mean? Oh, something around the lines of that, the, the drug that he was taking, and they were telling him, the more you take, it's going to kill you quicker. Yeah. And But he needed to take it to defeat um, Banner, essentially, is in the end of Old Man Logan. Yeah. Because it's a different yeah. timeline, but yeah. it's, it's still Banner. Yeah. So for him to defeat him, he needs to take this drug uh-huh. for him to be able to do it. So it's sort of it's a fitting sort of uh-huh. how it goes from one to the other. Cool. Yeah, so that was uh, Old Man Logan as Vicky's choice for best Marvel title, which of course is now segued into Dead Man Logan. Um, and uh, we move on then to. We'll leave Keith the last, I think, because he's going to wax lyrical about Marvel for the next hour and a half, so we may as well. It's probably a case that we've picked the same one again, probably. <laughs> Have we? Most okay. Likely. Well, I mean, for me, for best Marvel title, oh, almost. Punisher came close again, I have to say. It's only five issues in, but it's been yeah. fucking fantastic. Matthew Rosenberg. Um, Matthew Rosenberg yeah. uh, has just been superb. But for me, I'd, I'd mentioned it quickly earlier, um, I have chosen Amazing Spider-Man. And it just about shades Punisher, but also just shades Cosmic Ghost Rider as well. And the reason it shades it is because of a great annual, which again ties back to what Roddy was saying. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, I Spider-Man's always been a character I've been familiar with through the movies, through the animated series, through different avenues. But I've nowhere near read as much Spider-Man as I should have. And I'm all, I was always looking for jumping on points. And... I would like to jump onto a current run and then work backwards if that makes sense. So I read Dan Slott's latest run, the Go Down Swinging one, as Keith eloquently chatted about, especially with the last one, the 801. And then I'm, I've am i been digging Nick Spencer's run ever since. I just think it's perfect for noobs like me, but it also seems to be rewarding for people who've been reading mm. Spider-Man 10, 20, 30 years. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that it's probably the closest in tone as well to the Spider-Man game. You know, in terms of that humour, in terms of that lightness of touch, but also very real stakes. Um, there's been fantastic issues the whole way through the run, which is only 12 issues in. But, you know, great issue 10 with Black Cat. I love the issues in the bar where Peter goes along with his housemate. And uh, one of the quizzes is, how well do you know Spider-Man? <laughs> it's great. And Peter Parker's sitting there going... This is easy, lads. And it was, I got this. He, 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 I think the trick to that is he went along with his housemate, who was the Spider-Man villain Boomerang. Yeah. To the bar with no name, where all the villains hang out. Yeah. And they were having a pub quiz, a villain pub quiz about how well do you know Spider-Man. Yeah. So that was the trick. And Peter Parker sitting there going, "Guys, I got this, no mm. problem." And that uh, just that that moment at the end of uh, Mrs. Spider-Man Ten, which ties very nicely into the game. Uh, to me Amazing Spider-Man should always be the core Spider-Man book mm-hmm. yeah. if there's no other Spider-Man book there's got to be Amazing Spider-Man um, but that moment at the end of Amazing Spider-Man the story called the he- called Heist uh, which featured Black Cat so Black Cat um, has been off the rails recently uh, she became uh, like a, a gang lord of Kingpin uh, sort of leading Hammerhead and his gang who were members of the Magia which is uh, the Magia which is Marvel's mafia, uh, and she was she was a real nasty nasty individual, and I couldn't never never gelled well with me. Why? So that amazing Spider Man ten, which ended, you know they had been together as a team again, and Spider Man and Black Cat have a long history, 
they formerly were lovers, uh, they were friends, uh, and then you know this this occurred and she went off the rails and then uh, there was never really any ex- real explanation why. And this story then cut back to Dan Slot's run, mm-hmm. where uh, the, nearly the start of Dan Slot's run wasn't it? Brand new day. Uh, yeah. Where yeah, it was. yeah, where 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 it's basically order. the reboot after Peter came out as being Spider Man stuff after Civil War. After Civil War, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he Peter Peter uh, during that Mark Miller's run and that Civil War miniseries, Peter revealed his identity to the world. And he was the first to reveal, wasn't he? He was, yeah, he was, because he was on Tony's side. It was, and it was the reboot you know, after they got rid of, or they brought in the um, the organic webs and stuff. They got yeah, rid after of the J. Michael Straczynski's yeah. run, yeah, the other. Uh, so then, Peter. So then, the the first uh, guest dance slot's first thing was was brand new day, uh, and that's where he and Mary Jane, in order to uh, save Aunt May's life. Uh, they made a deal with. They made a deal with Mephisto, who's yes, the Marvel Devil. Uh, they made a, a literal deal with the devil, in order to save Aunt May's life. Yeah. They would forego their relationship or every any memory of ever being married. They would give up their marriage, uh, their wedding, uh, and that, and then immediately after that, there was a story in which Doctor Strange uh, used magic to hide Spider Man, Peter Parker's identity from the rest of the world. So, so this then was a throwback to that 10 years ago at the start of Slot's run when this happened Black Cat also forgot who Peter was mm-hmm. and no longer and that was her frustration that that she didn't remember who who Spider-Man was and she didn't remember she knew that they used to be friends and she used to know who he was but so it was a it was kind of a thing you know so that that, that was the moment at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 10 uh, which was Nick Spencer rather than <coughs> Dan Slot during which Peter Revealed his identity of again to the good guy, yeah, yeah. Felicia and went, "This is me." Yeah, yeah. I mean, and she had here. It was great, great, great moment. So yeah, yeah. Spider Man, fantastic. One, one of many great moments in this run, and yeah, it's just uh, it's given me a newfound appreciation for Spider Man. That's something that again now I want to work backwards and read a lot of classic stories and you know all that kind of stuff. So for me, the best Marvel title, just about because again going back to my most surprising thing of this year. Marvel have done a lot of great titles this year and this for me is just just about at the peak um, so that's me so Karen, on yeah, to you is, uh, I'm surprised that yours wasn't even though you had mentioned it was Cosmic Ghost Rider um, it'll get mentioned in a couple of categories <laughs> so good it's it, again going back to what I said months ago it's the most metal comics that wasn't metal <laughs> <laughs> was, it was just it was just pure insanity in the first issue um it was like the, the first issue picked up basically explaining everything that happened to Frank Castle, him becoming like the right hand of Thanos. He became, um, he became, how did it go? He was the right right hand of Galactus. He became right right Galactus as Herald. Herald. He was Galactus as Herald. Then he, he died, was, then he was Galactus yeah. as Herald. Then became the right hand of Thanos. Then he died again? Then he died, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he then came back. He came back and defeated Thanos. Yeah. Then he died again. <laughs> Somewhere in there, he became Ghost Rider as well. And then went to Valhalla, and yeah, it was, it it was, was a whole yeah, big, yeah. it was a whole big circle thing where he was just dead, done this, dead, done this. That was and that was all on the first page. That like. was literally explained in the first page. Uh, it might have been explained in Thanos as well. I didn't read any of the news. No, no, it was, it was, it was. From what I understand, it was just picked up there. It was Donny Cates yeah. kind of went. This is a thing now. Accept it. Accept it. Um, um, he did that and 
everybody that read it ran with it was like right not questioning it let's go and everything after it was just pure joy <laughs> <laughs> it was from not not going into many spoilers this all happens in the first issue it's going back in time and trying to kill baby Thanos well that was the trick yeah he, he realised that <laughs> Thanos had been responsible for a lot of ills yeah and when it was the it was effectively a play on the if you go back in time and kill baby hitler would you yeah Uh, it was let's let's go back and kill baby thanos and then he couldn't he couldn't do it he chose not to do it (laughs) it was was like why has nobody thought of this this is the simplest (laughs) idea in the world yeah yeah. so he decides on something worse i'll raise him so it's basically after that it's how many issues seven just five was it five just five yeah that's it's just Donny Cates kind of keep going. he can just uh, get a lot <laughs> going in a few issues accomplish a lot in a few the next four issues after that is just him trying to come to the grips of either killing Thanos or raising Thanos to be a good person well he raises Thanos to be a good person until he meets until he meets until he meets the Thanos who raised who is now a punisher Thanos it's <laughs> 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 great so you've got a Ghost Rider who's actually you've got Frank Castle who is Ghost Rider from Herald of Galactus come right hand of Thanos and you've got a Thanos who is now the punisher who's um, yeah, he's, Thanos who's now the Punisher who's now pretty much Hitler yeah <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah it was a great book it was, uh, I mean with Cosmic Ghost Rider it nearly made my uh, made its way into my favourite moment in a comic this year which is where uh, he goes obviously back in time creeps into baby Thanos is about to kill him and then just goes no I can't he's just a baby and it's just but then again it's <laughs> <laughs> just a big punch in the face <laughs> Just a stupid little moment. Yeah. I was and like, it, I may not be about to kill him, but I'm going to get the satisfaction. This it, it, it has it's it's caused me to have a greater appreciation. I think he's now becoming one of my favorite Marvel characters. And I've already read anything. He's there in. is a slight worry with this. That he's becoming, I think yeah, Keith, Keith covered it as well because of the whole that he's Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. Yeah, I think uh, now they're doing a, a Cosmic Ghost Rider one in the new year. Most most yeah. of the stu- most of the stuff that's been written is Donny Cates though. I know uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider kills the Marvel Universe isn't, but I, f- I feel like he's got a close enough hand in it to uh, yeah. It a I, bit. I think it's one of those. It's I mean Cosmic Ghost Rider was great and Donny Cates is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Venom, the other book he's writing, mm-hmm. he's just brought new life to to Venom, a new mythology and explain the backstory in a way. That, but also showing a lot of respect. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, previous totally. Writers and uh, I just have a feeling that. That they're gonna lose their run themselves with Cosmic Ghost Rider, um, you know they've got this, they've got this who was responsible for uh, saving Jean Grey from the Phoenix and who was responsible for giving the Fantastic Four their powers and who was responsible for, uh, and it, it all it turns out it's a Cosmic Ghost Rider yeah. mini series or series and it just feels like a wee bit like that. It did. It seemed like a bit of a cop out whenever they announced it. I, I was like, said a flat. I was like, oh, this seems like it might be a bit of a spin. Um, and then I was like, "Oh, it's that." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But by the same token, very much looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy number one, yeah, which yeah. does have Cosmic yeah. Ghost Rider. I just ate the imagery, and Cosmic Ghost Rider, the artist, was oh goodness, now you ask me. It's not someone that I'm overly familiar with in the. I don't um, think I've seen his stuff before. To be honest. In terms of uh, Marvel artists, just uh, the imagery of this flame-headed, uh, skull-chested Frank Castle on a. With a fishbowl around his head. With a fishbowl around his head, <laughs> on a cosmic, uh, a cosmic roadhog, with a baby Thanos chained to his chest. 
<laughs> just jumping a shark. Uh, artist called Dylan Burnett. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. there you are. He does it fantastically. Yeah. There's there's a cartooniness to his art as well. It is. He's, it's uh, just a sense of great. fun. The whole time. It just works. With it is. It's just fun, and it's it's gotten it's got me to the point where I thought maybe I should just blindly pick up everything Cosmic Ghostwriters in because I like them as a character so much. I like, think that's what they're betting on. That's yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. I can see where it, it could be, mm-hmm. but I, I hope it's not. I hope it's just a case where they're just trying no, to get this character out the door. Well, we'll have to wait and see. But he's not really a fourth wall breaking character the way that Deadpool is. Yeah. So hopefully he won't develop that at some point. Whereas mm-hmm. you said this could be a replacement. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it goes in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number one. But as well as having Cosmic Ghost Rider, it has mm-hmm. my favorite ever. Uh, character in Silver Surfer. So, and if, yep. any, if anybody's listening that has the first appearance Cosmic Ghost Rider and wants to sell it to me cheap, I used to have it <laughs> in the store, but it was bought about two months ago. First yeah. appearance of Cosmic Ghost Rider, Thanos number 13. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. It wasn't Thanos, okay. Mm-hmm. My mistake. Um, yeah, because Thanos was a weird series because it started, Jeff Lemire was writing it, yeah. but then Donnie Kitts took over it halfway through. Um, yeah, cool. So that was uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider number one, which was Karen's pick for uh, best Marvel title of the year. We will, of course, now direct you to Mr. Marvel himself <laughs> to uh, decide on his favorite Marvel title of the year. So again, this was a tricky one for me. Uh, like best indie title and like best DC title. Uh, we've already spoken at length about Mortal Hulk. Uh, we've already spoken at length about Amazing Spider-Man uh, and about Cosmic Ghost Rider. So for me, the last. The last two choices in that were either Venom by Donny Cates, mm-hmm. Cosmic Ghost Rider's writer, which has just been absolutely standout and has linked into uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers and has linked into uh, it, it's it's just fantastic. He's really were you know he's really building with regard to the character and, and linking him into the main Marvel universe and yeah. linking him into even Ultimate Fantastic Four and the Maker and the Evil Reed Richards and. Some really Do you think good how good that Venom title is also put a downer on the movie? I, I, yeah, I don't know. Just Maybe. because if you're reading something so good in print at the same time... Uh, no, 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 I think I think that movie would have been crap anyway. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I'd love that to be my choice, but it's not. <laughs> There's something better. Uh, my choice for, for best Marvel title this year is Avengers No Surrender. Uh, which was the 16-part weekly Avengers series that we've uh, spoken about. Uh, Jim Zub, Al Ewing, a uh, number of different writers on it. Uh, as you know, whenever they announced a 16-part weekly Avengers series that was replacing Avengers, yeah, it was not really replacing Avengers, it was replacing US Avengers and New Avengers, whatever Avengers titles were running at that yeah. time, I immediately went, nope, not interested, that's just going to be... Uh, I don't even think you put it on your pull list. I think you picked up the first issue off yeah. the rack and went, I'll give it a go. Yeah, exactly. And the first issue was fairly gorgeous cover-wise as well. It was a nice uh, was that a lenticular, lenticular cover. Yeah, yeah. That's right. uh, but it was also Alex Ross painted, I believe. And uh, wrapper. Yep, and wrapper around. Uh, and it's fine. Like, and, like, oh. and sure, did you not give me a lovely, uh, a lovely clear backing board with it and all I sorts did. of stuff yeah. but anyway it was a kick off of, of a 16 part series that brought all of the Avengers teams together and it was a beaut um, it the, the main crux of the story was a, was a classic one two uh, elder beings are uh, gaming using the earth as a game board <laughs> you know and 
the games master from the elders of the universe and another individual who it becomes clear was the previous games master of the elders of the universe mm-hmm. that the uh, the current elder uh, cheated and cheated him out of his title so he was the former so he was exiled and now he's back mm-hmm. and they all have their playing pieces and uh, this this dude this mysterious dude he is using um, the Black Legion of uh, is this some high 16 year olds that's why I'm missing playing D&D that then ties into die oh, that would be kind of cool See that? Uh, <laughs> and that ties into Infinity War and uh, all of that good stuff because the Black Legion and the yeah. and the, the Squadron Supreme are involved and then of course it's the Avengers against you know so it's and it's all about trying to and it's any Avenger at all so Johnny Storm you know all of these people are, are Avengers as well as being fantastic yeah. you know so it just across these 16 weeks it just told a classic Avenger story of you know just the different teams and them, them trying to manipulate themselves and realising it was a game and then metagaming and just trying to then the world was at risk and uh, Jarvis was on a hospital bed on, a, on an operating table they were trying to save Jarvis they couldn't figure out what was wrong with Jarvis so Beast and, and the new Unstoppable Wasp were trying to save Jarvis who has of course the heart and soul of the Avengers yeah. uh, there was there was there was so much going on but it was told so well that it never got it never got tangled up it was a lovely clean story uh, the likes of which I haven't really seen since Avengers Forever mm-hmm. uh, which was a fantastic uh, story uh, sort of back in the sort of late 90s uh, an Avengers time jumping story uh, just highly recommend it and now they've announced uh, this uh, in February I believe starting is uh, Avengers No No Road Home yeah, yeah. Uh, which is going to be another weekly series by the same authors and I say those authors just include just 10 issues this time uh, as opposed to 16 and again I think they're they're putting Jason Aaron's Avengers on hiatus in order to run this story yeah. so if it's anything like Avengers No Surrender um, a contentious title in Northern Ireland um <laughs> I really did want to say when you were saying there were two people gaming on the world was one Protestant and one Catholic. <laughs> I really wanted to say it, but I held myself back. You know, and then it was it was great that it was the then the the they introduced this new hero, who apparently was an old hero who'd been a an original member of the Avengers, but uh, she had sacrificed herself, and as part of her sacrifice, her memory had been wiped from all the other Avengers' minds. It was there was so much going on, but it was beautifully and as I say Al Ewing that's what he used to introduce the immortal Hulk mm-hmm. uh, and all of this this stuff so it was great great 16 part series I believe it's now out in trade trade's out in the next two uh, weeks yeah, uh, it's going to be a big bad boy 16 issues will then take over wrap around cover I think <laughs> so but if I hadn't got this in singles and I was, I'm glad I did get it in singles but if I hadn't got it in singles I'd be buying this trade immediately it's, uh-huh. it, it would be a lovely collection to have on the shelf yeah. uh, a great story and I think it's it's a real classic Avengers story a real return to form mm-hmm. uh, and Jason Aaron then picked up the Avengers after that and has done wonders since excellent so those were all of our picks then for the best Marvel title of the year so we are going to jump on into best DC title uh, now, for me, I have to throw, obviously I've waxed lyrical about it already, haven't talked about Batman 50, but the current run of Batman has taken a very close second for me with this one. Um, Gotta be Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Has to be. Um, it's... Easily. 
it's a double-edged sort of a title. It's a pain in the ass waiting two months for every issue, but every issue is worth yeah, the wait. It's 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 such quality. Like it's it, two it's two months it's two months of quality yeah. put into one title, and it's every issue is fucking perfect. It's absolutely glorious. I mean, in my mind, I mean. DC tried this before with the Watchmen name. They released a, a, a bunch of mini series called Before Watchmen. Before Watchmen. Yeah. Now there were one or two titles in it that I quite enjoyed. Silk Spectre. Silk Spectre is always the one I go to, and it's a very fluffy story of Silk Spectre going all around San Francisco before, like, experiment with drugs in the sixties and all this kind of stuff. I really enjoyed the Ozymandias one as well, with art by Jay Lee, and I weirdly enjoyed the two issue one with Moloch which was drawn by Eduardo Risso, one of my favourite artists. But before Watchmen, by and large, was both a critical and a commercial failure. Yeah, It didn't reignite any more interest in Watchmen than it would have had beforehand, and it wasn't exactly big sales-wise. Doomsday Clock, <clears throat> it's frustrating because, yeah, you got that two-month wait period, which they only introduced around issue three, and... There's almost a part of you in between every two months. It's like, maybe I'll just wait for the trade of this. <laughs> yep. And then it comes out. Yeah. And as soon as you read the first page, you're just like, yep, that's the good stuff. It's not even the first page. It's just like the cover going, okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> every single time. I mean, it's it's just wonderful. It's it's deep. It's It shows a lot of respect for the DC Universe. It's just really great to see characters from classic DC and characters from Watchmen interact and pit their wits against each other um, I mean I would even say it's been a bit of a slow build up to this point I mean we were promised Superman v Dr. Manhattan was yeah. essentially how they pitched it we're only starting to get the remnants of that now in issue 8 but I, it's not like I feel those first 7 issues were wasted you know what I mean it's been a slow build but it's been worth every bit I mean I look forward to reading this in trade as well. Well, I say reading it in trade. I just mean when issue 12 comes yeah. out. Re- you know, having all my yeah, single issues in front of me and reading them front to back. I think part of that is the is the fact that there's such a long period between issues. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're, we're losing the connectivity of the story. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm now reading this nearly as individual stories that feature the same characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. But that's the way it feels at the moment. Yeah, I, I would agree with that to a degree. I mean... The only thing I would counteract that with is I like to think one of the strengths of our store is that people will come in and talk about titles they've read. Yeah. And in the two months in between Doomsday Clock, there's always at least three or four conversations about that issue of Doomsday yeah. Clock. You know, it's a great thing to just chat over a coffee for 10 minutes. It's like, you know, we've all read Doomsday Clock yet? Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, you look at the slow build up of that issue, the stuff with Firestorm. You know, Batman turn on high frequency, send the clerk, do not get involved, do not take a that side. Was class. You look at Firestorm has frozen all the people, the tanks are driving through them. Did you know that that issue was leaked in Russia before it came out? Really? Really? And do you know why? It's because it? any media that features, uh, features an image of Putin has to be approved in Russia uh-huh. before it's released. They were sent over to Russia and then it leaked in Russia before it came out here. Interesting. Uh-huh. Didn't so they know. obviously didn't mind how Putin was portrayed in it. Yeah. Because yeah, he's not exactly portrayed badly, <laughs> but the Russian army are portrayed it's it. It's we don't want Trump. So. <laughs> Superman's <laughs> an improvement. Never mind Superman. But, I mean, Superman. You would argue the Russian soldiers in it are portrayed really badly because they all panic 
and it's, and he and Firestorm's like, I can save them, I can save them, and they're driving oh, tanks. Oh, that was tragic. They were driving tragic, tanks yeah. over the frozen people, and, and then yeah. Superman starts to see these lives lost, and then he oh. cracks up, and yep. oh man, that that yeah. issue just built and built well, and built. Such a good issue. Mm-hmm. It feels like every issue you read, though, it's better than the last. Yeah. The stakes are getting higher. Every yeah. Escalating. Yeah, yeah. But this this book, if, if if you could do it, it feels like it's a triple A triple A book. Yeah, it feels like it's a, the biggest book that's coming out at the minute. I think so. I think it feels special every time, and even little things just down to the fact the front and back covers are cardstock. Yeah. Um, it feels expensive. It feels luxurious. You know, obviously, no you know, no adverts is a big, big no thing. Uh, <laughs> no, no Doctor Manhattan in the Snickers. <laughs> Some awesome bag matter. Um, you <laughs> yeah. got the, yeah, you got the the stuff at the back catalog as well. And and if you're not reading that, then you're missing out the story. You yeah. really are, uh, big time. But even just like the artwork is consistently fantastic, you know the adherence to the nine-panel page structure. When you have a when you need a splash page, it's there. Um, yeah, I I can't wax lyrical enough about this. As I say, it's a double-edged sword because you just want the next issue now. You just want to know how it's going to end. You want to know how it's going to affect the DC universe moving forward. Which it will. And oh, of course it will. Um, I don't know if it will. There's some titles being pushed back though. Because Doomsday Clocks had, are there? Yeah, Batman the Outsiders is one. Right. Um, well, who cares about Batman and the Outsiders? Well, it was, DC. it was looking, <laughs> it was looking like a promising title. Um, yeah, but you know what I mean. I think, I wonder whether or not, my and I guess this this brings up what I've been feeling a wee bit about. My worry with DC is they've been doing really well hmm. this year. And I'm starting to feel like there's maybe a bit more uh, studio interference yeah. than there has been. And I think we're feeling that a wee bit in Nightwing with the change yeah. of a creative team yeah. two issues into the story after it was shot in the head. I think we're feeling that a wee bit with uh, with Doomsday Clock. I think we're feeling it a wee bit... I don't think you feel Doomsday Clock. No, not, not in the story. But You're I feeling think, it because it's been pushed. Yeah, I think change. in the push and I think in the... And I, I feel for that reason that maybe we're not going to see the same uh, impact of this. I don't know where it's going to end up, but I mm-hmm. can't see how it's going to affect the rest of the... And, you know, it should, because this is... this Doomsday Clock Doomsday clock should be the explanation that we've been waiting for since Rebirth, that yeah. Dr. Manhattan has been responsible for. Right before Rebirth? Well... Like 52 and things? Or yeah. Like well, that, well, Rebirth was the first time. Rebirth, they, rebirth was the first time. the idea yeah. that... Rebirth this yeah. is linked to was effectively the, re- the reboot of, of New 52 going right this is why this doesn't matter yeah. because uh, they haven't just been heroes for five years they haven't had relationships to, you know because they because of Dr. Manhattan you know what I mean and I just worry that they're going to lose that impact that should bookend mm-hmm. Rebirth you know and I, I don't know I'm just not I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure what's, what's going to happen yeah. and I feel that there's maybe too many uh, yeah fingers maybe it does I, I will admit that I think it does feel like there's a lot of big titles in the DC line at the moment mm. because we were speculating maybe Watchmen characters Manhattan um, most of all might have links to Green Lantern Heroes in Crisis anytime Crisis is involved in the DC universe in a title it usually shakes things up Doomsday Clock as well um, I don't know I just think I think the whole world was against this title. It was like, how can you write a sequel? This look, it's not gonna work. Mm. Oh, we've got Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. It's not gonna work. 
and it is consistently proving everybody wrong by I genuinely think it is as good mm-hmm. eight issues into it whether it sticks the landing in the same way Watchmen did I don't know but I think issue for issue I think this is as good as Watchmen and yeah. I know it's a big statement but I genuinely think it's as good as Watchmen I'm waiting to see where it's going I don't know yet if it's a coherent story mm-hmm. because we've had an issue with Batman and Joker and we've had an issue with Batman and Rorschach and we've had an issue with Rorschach and uh, Ozymandias and there's been a sprinkling of uh, mime and uh, Marina. but as yet nothing is joining up for me and I don't know if that will change whenever I read it together mm-hmm. but right now it's lovely and it's a lovely set of stories and it's lovely to look at but it's not the story that Watchmen is yeah, yet and I'd love it to be but I just I just I don't know it's just not joined up yet it's not yeah. it feels like because it's a two month gap between it actually feels like two months happening between each uh, issue in, yeah. in Canada yeah. as well because yeah. the way it was like with the last issue ending and then it jumps to this next issue where Batman's off doing something and Superman's off helping Firestorm it seems like there is massive gaps between mm-hmm. times yeah. but where every issue's happening so Batman could be doing whatever he's doing in Tom King's run and Superman's doing mm-hmm. whatever in action comics it feels like it is a case where it is single stories mm-hmm. all linking in together over yeah. the course of two years I mean I guess the crux of it is that Dr. Manhattan has appeared or has been here I've been in the DC yeah. universe and a guy, one guy's or other uh and he, Dr. Manhattan, who can see time as non-linear, mm-hmm. as all points at all, you know, and he can't see, he sees him meeting Superman, but he doesn't see beyond that. So he knows either that means that Superman kills him or, or the world ends, yeah. or the universe ends. So I think we can assume the universe doesn't end. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no yeah. comics for one year. But then it's a crisis, you know, it's a, I don't, I don't know. So I guess, I guess if you keep an eye on that as the centre conceit of the whole thing, then that's maybe, yeah. but then that doesn't say well. Where, where, what does that, what's that got to do with Rorschach and Joker and Marionette and Mime, and Batman? Looking at it cynically, it could just be a way of going. We need to add Rorschach and Marionette Mar- 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 in the DC universe yeah. for reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that just because at the end of this they want the Watchmen characters to be in the DC universe? Yeah. Is that it? It, it does. It cynically, it could be. Like yeah, it. I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to see it go somewhere. I yeah. just don't know where it's going yet. Or yeah. if it's going to get there. Well, despite but that, I'm loving it. I'm despite loving that it. slightly negative, <laughs> cynical <laughs> it's note. It's a good book, though. <laughs> For me, it's the best DC title yeah. of the year. And yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't think you can 100% fully judge any story until it's completed. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, the last few issues, I've complete con- I think the team have earned our confidence at this point. Yeah. I think, you know, Jeff Johns' track record speaks for itself. I think Gary Frank's speaks for itself so I have every confidence they will stick the landing but the other thing I'm really enjoying about it is that eight issues in which two thirds of the story I have no idea where this is going that's what's worrying me no yeah. but that's what I love yeah because again they've earned our confidence it's it's weird like you compare something like this to say something like Grant Morrison you never know where Grant Morrison's story is going because his mind is just fucking crazy. Oh, he might just start writing. You know, it. He, he might just decide, you know, I'm in the fucking thing. Yep. But with this, I, I don't think Jeff John sits down to write something that I planned out the next 10 issues. Yeah. So I think he knew the prestige of taking over 
a Watchmen sequel. I, I mean, he probably he must have pitched this idea in the first place. Yeah. It's like, guys, I got a brilliant story. Let's follow up Watchmen with this. And I think he wouldn't have done that without knowing where it was going. I, and know? I agree. But what worries me is that he maybe said that and then he said, let's release a monthly book and now it's two monthly. But that's all to do. They've already stated that's to do with the artist. He mm. said, look, I need time to do this right. All right. Jeff Johns yeah. has written all scripts. He's, okay. he's already said that. So they have said, look, Gary Frank has just said, look, I work at a very deliberate pace. I want this book to be right. It's every two months. Mm. And although I don't agree with that, well, I agree with it in terms of I want to wait for quality. I just wouldn't have announced it for another six months. Yeah, should have just waited and should have done a curtain. Should have done exactly. a curtain. Should have had the first eight in the bag. Uh-huh, and went, yeah. Boom! Here you go. Should have had yeah. all of it. And just well, then you could just release straight. Mm. You could have really went no, different. No, if they were smart. No, I don't think nah, you the whole that, thing. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Single issue. Single issue. Single issue. Make a wee bit more money. Trade. Everybody buys. Of course, do it. Do it. You, nobody has to know you've written it. Sorry. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, that's true. I suppose. Well, anyway, that's that's my pick for DC title of the year, and I that's think Kieran's as well, yeah. uh, which is Doomsday Clock with uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Keith, over to you. For me, um, I am loving Silencer. Uh, started off, you know, uh, was Abnett, that was it. Stan Abnett, isn't it? Was it originally written? Uh, yes. Certainly uh, John Romero. Uh, fantastic following... Uh, Tali Al Ghul's uh, top assassin from Leviathan uh, and uh, who's now retired has a world of her, a life of her own uh, and, and, and where that goes to fantastic book Love and Nightwing uh, Nightwing my favourite DC character absolutely brilliant uh, Love and Titans great book solid book uh, it was a solid book before it, the, the whole source wall dealio um, they're now a, a group who, a group who Nightwing have, who Nightwing has assembled to deal with all the source wall yeah. fallout on the Earth. Nightwing, of course, is now not part of the team. Not, not Wing. Uh, he's not Wing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a result of what happened in Batman, uh, uh, Arsenal is no longer part of the team. Uh, someone else, I think, is clogged popped as well. But it's still an interesting, still an interesting story. Uh, Donna Troy is in charge Beast Boy is in there uh, Miss Martian is in there uh, Kyle Rayner the Green Lantern has just joined also a great book none of them are my choice for DC title my choice for DC <laughs> title of the year is Batman White Knight uh, the last four issues were this year it finished this year it was a great title uh, written and drawn by Sean Murphy it was probably an Elseworlds title ish well, that's it. It's ultimately come into uh, yeah. the black label. Has it? Is, no, yeah. yeah. So trade wise, it's got the black label insignia on it. Said about that, easier mended, I think. Yeah. Uh, great story. It was eight issues, wasn't it? I believe. Eight issues. Uh, it chronicled the story. It was it was the roles reversed of Batman and the Joker. Yeah. Uh, where Batman, at the beginning of the story, lost his cool and started jamming a whole lot of pharmaceuticals down Joker's throat and yeah. effectively seemed to cure him of his madness uh, he became uh, interestingly Jack Napier that's a callback to the, the Batman 89 yeah. uh, Jack Nicholson's original identity before he became the Joker um, and there was the original of, identity killing the Waynes well, yeah absolutely yeah. never worry never worry just a movie <laughs> but I felt like this I think uh, writing style and art style 
was nearly a sequel to Batman the Animated Series more than anything. There was a whole lot in it that was a lot of... It's interesting you say, I don't know if I've had the chance to tell you about this yet, but Sean Murphy's actually doing a podcast, it's called the Bat-Ass Podcast, which is Batman the Animated Series, yeah, uh-huh. and he's doing commentaries for every single episode yeah. of the Animated Series, along with his friend who's also a writer, and in it he talks a lot about his inspiration for White Knight oh, and okay. how much of it came from the animated yeah. series. Well, there you um, are. Yeah, it's a cracking podcast. I've been listening to it myself. Uh, I mean, the most recent one they did for it was uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's no, called the Badass Podcast. Yeah. Um, that's a cool title. I mean, I thought it was interesting. It, it addressed the controversy of uh, the Suicide Squad style Harley versus original style Harley yeah, one of the best moments uh, I mean that that would fall in the best moments of last year because it was issue 3 yeah but when I read that I just was like class so, so clever it was just beautifully written it was I think it ties into for example even the current Batman run where Batman is off the rails mm-hmm. uh, he's you know knocking out Commissioner Gordon he's, he's not far off know, what he was in my night yeah. exactly so, yeah. so I thought I just thought it was, a, it was a, I mean I like the standalone contained complete nature of it again we're all sort of completists you know there's a certain amount of uh, OCD in what we do I guess uh, as collectors Uh, and I just this this appeals to that it's just it's a beautiful book I'm looking forward to to what Sean Murphy does next yeah I mean obviously he's already announced White Knight number two I mean the mentions I mean one of the best moments for me in White Knight was when Bruce saw the video of Jason Todd and it was like do you have any last words? And he's like, I wish I'd never met Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And that was heartbreaking. But at the same time, Bruce had always thought Jason Todd was dead. So if he doesn't turn up in the sequel, I don't know what will. Yeah. I always thought White Knight would end with what, whatever the final shot was. It would sort of pull back and you just see a figure watching it from a distance and that would be Jason Todd. Uh-huh. I always thought, they never quite did that, yeah. but he's obviously leaving those, uh, those uh, story elements open yeah. for that reason. But, yeah. uh, yeah, White Knight would have been very close uh, for a shout out for myself as well. It almost made my best mini series, <clears throat> but I stupidly or amazingly chose Marvel. <laughs> it shows how far they've come. Uh, did Roddy have a best uh, DC? Oh, sorry. Yeah, so Roddy for best DC, he was actually he put down two. <laughs> what did he put down? He put down two choices. Doomsday Clock and White Knight. How do you guess? <laughs> Good for him. Doomsday Clock and White Knight. Alright, sweet. Cool. And I'm sure I'm sure Roddy would have something uh, a little uh, more articulate and more say, sure. and articulate to say. But we'll, uh, we'll pull him up on that next time we see him. <laughs> cool. So, uh, yeah, so that's we've uh, obviously picked what our favourite titles were for indie Marvel DC, um, which brings us on the best comics publisher. Uh, this was a tough one for was me. I'll, I I will take the lead in this. It, it, it was a tough one for me because I know I am far more Mr. DC than Mr. Marvel, but Marvel really impressed me this year. Uh, there was tons of great stuff, great creative teams, but I do just have to side with DC. But what I will say is that Keith obviously said this Marvel are on the way up and DC, their quality level's high, but there is that danger they could stagnate and Marvel could overtake them again. We'll see next year. DC win it just for me, just for quality of output. Um, in the last year alone, how much I've enjoyed Batman, White Knight, Doomsday Clock, Justice League Dark. Um, I enjoyed Silencer, enjoyed Damage. I enjoyed Justice League. It was a little up and down, but I did enjoy it more than not. 
Um, Justice League Odyssey, I even thought was good. Ben, this is Superman. Uh, the titles just continue and continue. Even one-shot anthologies like we've chatted about before, yeah. Batman Secret Files, um, Cursed Comics Cavalcade, just to say that. <laughs> wonderful title again. I just think DC have edged it. Um, Mr. Miracle as well, Heroes in Crisis. I mean, the titles just keep on coming, I think. And if I was to look at my pull list for the last year, for what I've read, although Marvel is creeping up and I am reading more Marvel now than I probably have at any point in my life, I would put DC just ahead. They they just have that bit more yeah. quality for me. Um, it just seems that there is just more and more quality coming from DC than there is Marvel. And the the thing with Marvel is, the thing with Marvel, it's there's thirty years of history. There's sometimes you can't just jump on at any point. And thirty years of history. Oh, well, you know what I mean. Like the last thirty years is sort of necessary, <laughs> Dick. <laughs> the are last you, are you saying since Secret Wars? Yes, which is since the big right, since since big sort of like Crisis on Infinite Earth type days where everything just gets sort of reset. Mm-hmm. Where that's the jumping on point. There's a lot of history there, and if you're not following it very very closely, you're going to be slightly lost. The all. Things. I think the thing with Marvel is, is more or less, for the most part linear whereas yeah. I'm still trying to catch up on the difference between 52 and new 52 and rebirth and post crisis and flashpoint yeah uh, so I think what it all comes mm. down to is what you've grown up reading yeah. because yeah like I've always said this that especially like I use the new 52 as an example but see when I was reading the new 52 I didn't find it confusing that there was Batman, Detective Comics, Dark Knight, Batman and Robin. I didn't find that confusing. Yeah. But then I've even said this, you know, to you before, mm-hmm. Keith. I'm like, all right, so you've got X-Men Blue, X-Men Red, yeah. X-Men Black, <laughs> X-Men Gold. And I'm like, no, you don't. Where did I even start? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I was like six months ago. Where did I even start yeah, with these titles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because you've been reading them, you were able yeah. to go, well, this one, that was your uncanny X-Men. This yeah. one, that was your... You know what I yeah. mean? So it's almost what you've grown up reading that you don't find that complicated. But what I love about Marvel this year is that they simplified things. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I didn't feel like I had to read Peter Parker's Spectacular to enjoy Amazing. But that yeah. was good, though. Um, <laughs> sorry. I just say that. <laughs> Although, it came close to my cover of the year as well. I love that uh, cover of Spider-Man on top of Sandman, like building a sandcastle. Oh, yeah. that was lovely. It was yeah, great. Um, but, yeah, it's all about what you've grown up reading, mm, I think. Yeah. And I don't find it complex, even now, that there is... Batman Damned. There was Batman White Knight. There was oh, Batman it's not, it's not the titles that confuse me. It's, it's, it's the history. It's the, it's the continuity. It's mm-hmm. the, it goes it's from the, post-crisis, pre-crisis. I just look at three continuities for DCI. I look at pre-New 52, New 52, Rebirth. Those are my three. Or That's what I Flashpoint came in. Flashpoint, Flashpoint was the connective tissue between the original continuity and New right. 52. And when were they all young and only had five years of experience? That, that was, was 52. 52. And that's where young fungi Superman had lined yeah. in his costume. And that's where New 52, like they even do it in the first issue of Batman, where he's only been Batman for five years, but mm-hmm. yet he still has in his mansion at the start, Dick Grayson. Uh, he somehow has an 11-year-old son, uh, <laughs> Damian Wayne. Like I remember Scott Snyder got interviewed about it and he said, don't think about it too much, I'll give you a sore head. <laughs> like even the creators were like, this is just a remit we've been given. Yeah. We got to do it. Yeah, yeah. But I look at DC as three, three continuities. I look at original continuity, pre-New 52, New 52, Rebirth. That, that's how I see it. And that's why I don't find 
connective DC tissue as conf- yeah. confusing as Marvel because Marvel doesn't really do that I know they do from time to yeah. time the only thing you have to worry about Marvel is squishy time yeah. squishy time is yeah. that a, a that's that's that how, how that's how Spider-Man can Peter Parker can yeah, be a, a 16 year old boy what's, what's the actual math on it I can't even remember it's, it's, like. it's elastic time well time it's, elastic. It's, it's like yeah. going was, back was, there, to was there not an actual like so many so many months in our time and so many years I know but that doesn't work it doesn't work, it doesn't work. but right. the, this is all I mean this is true of any comics let's be honest but it's why like Keith and I unearthed the uh, the curious thing about why Dan Dio hates Nightwing because he ages, ages whereas yeah. no one else does yeah. he's gone from being Robin boy wonder he's to gone from being a no one else has. <laughs> yeah. yeah but it goes back to what you said earlier about you loved uh, Spider-Man 801 so it was showing you a story of when Spider-Man saved a guy 10 years ago yeah and now Spider-Man now but you always think of him as like a 16 year old kid so I mean but that's comics yeah. in general but I mean you don't that's, that's the trick is you don't you knew that Spider-Man was a 16 year old kid when he started yeah and he was for a lot of years a 16 year old kid and then eventually uh, he went to he left high school and went to university mm-hmm. Empire State University and that was a big jump so he did that between the 60s and the late 70s mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean and then you know in the last two years he's gone from being a Tony Stark level company owner to a bum <laughs> to a guy who gets his degree taken off yeah, 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 he, yeah. that was another great thing to me as in Spider-Man I was like because obviously Otto Octavius had uh, got yeah. that form and superior but yeah I mean going back obviously to the original category for me this year DC takes it but I think it's it's a lot closer at the end of the year than it was at the start of the year yeah that's what I would say yeah it's, it's, a, it's a head and shoulders DC for me because the sheer amount of DC I'm still reading compared to Marvel I think what's interesting for you is that as much as you're loving the DC stuff you want more you want Constantine yeah. you want Swamp Thing you want you know what I mean yeah so although like your pull list is big enough and there's loads of variety there's other DC characters you're like I want I want, I want them to have their own series yeah. I want them to have their own series yeah you know, is there anybody in the Marvel Universe you can think, is there, they're not currently involved, like obviously Fantastic Four was a big return. Yeah. And that was a big gaping hole in the Marvel Universe for a few See, years. That's the thing, the, char- the Marvel characters I love, I don't read. I read all the classic stuff, but I don't read any new stuff. It's like Spider-Man, Daredevil, Punisher, I'm back on, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but it's, it's the classic stuff I'm reading for Marvel because it's not... As confusing then and it is now. I can't complain. They just give Sleepwalker a mini series. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, and I'm working my way through yeah. Sleepwalker. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm like three issues in. I haven't yeah, read yeah, much. Yeah, yeah the Bob but but yeah. 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 Class. What was Roddy's? Uh, Roddy's was Image, unsurprisingly. Mm. Sweet. Roddy is an indie guy at hard yeah. nail as well. Be I think. And don't get me wrong. There's a ton of great Image stuff this year as well. And there were other years that I would have selected Image, but I do genuinely think. DC started the year with Metal and White Knight and they ended up with Doomsday Clock and Heroes on Crisis. Yeah. I think that's a great year mm. all around. Um, so for me, it would be DC. DC. Oh, it's killing him to say it. Go on. It's killing him. Image is my choice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Image is my choice this year. Um, you see, even when he can't pick Marvel, he still doesn't pick DC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, reason, the reason being is... Uh, talked about it and it took I was like oh, Jesus this is interesting yeah uh, so I think as we, as we said I think you know uh, I know a, I know a, like a good book and a good run of books when it's what it is and what it isn't yeah mm-hmm. you know what I mean and definitely I think this year as you can tell from my pull list which is 
you know it's it's not entirely unbalanced when it comes to Marvel and DC yeah um, but the things that have been creeping into my pull list this year all year have been indie books so we're looking at The Finisher of Invincible Walking Dead Foreign Hand fantastic uh, The Magic Order we talked about earlier on mm-hmm. uh, Middle West we talked about earlier on Die uh, Oblivion song. So this point you didn't follow Die with Die Die Die. Yeah, I was uh, on that one. <laughs> die Die Die. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's 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 a whole Rima stuff there that is just has just been creeping into my pull list yeah. all year long. It's all quality quality stuff. Uh, I mean, there, there's nothing that we haven't that we haven't talked about or one of us hasn't talked about except maybe Farmhand, mm-hmm. uh, which has been a great series. It's one of those ones that is very much like close to the top for a lot of mm-hmm. indie categories there, and I mean it was one that I tried to push a lot because of the artist Rob uh-huh. Laura, who yeah. also wrote this one. Yeah. But just yeah, crazily inventive title. It's exactly the kind of title you're not going to find in another comic. Exactly, and it's the range of stuff as well. So Farmhand is a wee bit cartoony but sinister. Uh, Magic Order is is just dark. Uh, urban Almost fantasy, hard. yeah. Uh, Didn't even mention Gideon Falls, another phenomenal yeah, title uh, this year. I mean, Lazarus is like dystopian, dystopian hard science fiction in a way. Uh, Invincible is classic superhero tropes in all the best ways, uh, but turning everything in its head. Middle West is whatever Middle West is. <laughs> I don't even know what this one is. Die, I can't wait for the next issue. An Oblivion song, as we talked about earlier on, yeah. was one of your favorite series of the year. Same as mine. I can't every issue. I'm going. What is happening now? This is class. Yeah. You know what I mean. So, to, for me, this year, uh, DC's got some massively strong stuff. Uh, Marvel's got some massively strong stuff. Uh, Spider Man will always be close to my heart. The X Men are coming back. The Fantastic Four are back with a bang, uh, and I cannot wait to see them take their place as Marvel's first family again you know after uh, Chip Zdarsky's Marvel 2 and 1 which was brilliant mm. um, I can't wait to the first time that the Fantastic Four appear on the screen as a Marvel Cinematic Universe offering that's going to be something and if it's the end of Endgame I will shit myself <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's why that's why for me it's you know but Image you know have just been pushing out so much quality stuff Okay. Uh, they, they give their they give their writers freedom. Uh, I think well, they they ultimately yeah. attract the best writers of DC and Marvel. Of course, well. they do. Of course that's they do. the other yeah. thing. You know they they get Donny Cates to write Redneck and God Country, uh-huh. but Solid Bastards Sh- that was another class one. Uh, Jason Aaron. I'd say that I don't know if, so, if, if a lot of those are done. I think Sex Criminals is probably done. Um, you look at uh, from DC they get Schneider to do Witches, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. But the the real question then has to be who's second. Who's second? It's got to be Marvel. Oh, <laughs> we almost really had him. Lined him up for that one there. Almost had him. <laughs> almost had him. <laughs> I will keep pushing. I will keep pushing. Do it. Do it. <laughs> cool. So that brings then to the uh, the publisher uh, point of view. Uh, we'll do one more uh, category and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, this one is best mini series. Uh, for me, I'm just going to throw it out there because it's going to be another quick one for me because we've discussed it at length already has to be Cosmic Ghost Rider. Um, tons of fun. Didn't need to read anything else before it. Great art. Great storytelling. Funny. Over the top. Irreverent. 
and uh, the only worry with it is that this is a character that Marvel will realize very quickly that uh, he's so popular and so different that they're just going to overexpose him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for me, best miniseries this year, it, it has to be Cosmic Ghost Rider. What about yourself, Kieran? Um, mine's mine's is DC title. <laughs> is what? Mine's is DC, but DC uh, why, sir? A DC title. It's DC. It's um, it's Nightwing the New Order. Oh, oh that was shot. a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Man. Came out early this year. Um, I think it actually what what did it have started last year? I think it might have definitely started last year. We were definitely in. I think we were in the old store when it started. Yeah. So we were. Um, Nightwing the New Order finished the week of January 24th so oh, just inside this year so yeah, I read it funny mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it's basically it's bare bones it's an Elseworlds Teen Titans book it's it basically it follows an, an alternate timeline where Dick has basically became a fascist um, against people with superheroes their superpowers sorry um, basically they're trying to govern the use of superpowers um, due to a, uh, a, a crisis that happened mm-hmm. like that uh, <laughs> it's a crisis that happened a um, number of years before the actual book takes place um, and Dick basically steps up and goes no we need to govern this we need to put laws in place to stop this from happening again um, so it's, it basically follows um, it, it basically follows Dick but then slowly brings in the rest of the Teen Titans um, I'm not going to go into too much detail because not many people, I guess, have read it. Yeah. Um, but it something happens that causes Dick to go on the run and look for the Teen Titans um, for help. Basically, they to go in the head. But it is it's it's really worthwhile. It's six issues, just six issues. So it was. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a wonderful title. It was not to throw massive spoilers into it but it was one of those titles that they established at the very start of it that Batman had died yeah. Bruce had died and Alfred was still alive but he was on his last leg so mm-hmm. to speak but um, it was one of those titles that I was expecting the whole way through because DC knew the importance of Batman as a character Yeah, you were just waiting on him coming back into it at some point and he never did yeah when it was coming out I remember me and you saying Oh, he'll be in the next issue. Oh, he'll be in the next issue. But save it all. But it didn't miss him at all. No, it wasn't that type of story. Yeah. But I just sort of thought there might be a third act, sort of, you know, curveball thrown in, Mm. and you know, Bruce is alive all this time, and that sort of thing. But I liked that they left him out of it. One one spoiler more to drop, which was really nice. It's not big of a spoiler, but I really like what they did with the Batcave. They turned it into like a basically a Batman museum. Oh yes, there's yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a part where Dick breaks into the Batcave and it's basically just tourists all going through learning yeah. about the history of Batman. It's great. It's just it's just a really worthwhile Elseworlds tale. Yeah, because the Elseworlds was a thing until Black Label shit over. <laughs> well, they never officially called Nightwing New Order Elseworlds, but yeah, I think even from the first book, it we was, all looked at it when yeah. it's Elseworlds. Yeah. you know, DC. If you're listening, of course, all the big executives listen to this podcast. Yeah. Just bring, back El- just bring back Elseworlds. Hi, Jim. Just bring <laughs> back uh, Elseworlds, please. And we'll be eternally grateful. As if we don't, you know, wax lyrical enough about DC in this podcast. We'll yeah. do it even more. Uh, cool. So it was Kieran's choice. And that was, it was Kyle Higgins wrote that, wasn't it? Yes. He's currently just launched a new Winter Soldier um, miniseries. Uh, cool. 
So I was Karen's Choice, Nightwing New Order, six issue miniseries, best miniseries for Keith. Best miniseries for me, this is getting tight for me now because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, so I could uh, give Marvel a love and talk about uh, Old Man Hockey, which has been a great series. to, it is a maxi series, thank you, that takes that pain away. Uh, great maxi series, great sequel to Old Man Logan, the original. Because we consider Doomsday Clock for okay. this category, but Sweet. maxi series. Uh, I could consider Infinity War Sleepwalker, uh, it's a spin-off, four issue, classic character, Kieran has now been inspired to read the 25 issue Buddy Buddyansky. Yeah. One of those titles, anytime you spoke about in the podcast, you always had a smile on your face. It's great, Sleepwalker's class and <clears throat> the way the series ends, kind of, it's a, it's a lovely ending. Uh, and, and it doesn't, nah, I'm not, <laughs> that's a lovely ending that's a, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the worst position I've ever seen you I'm stuck between I really love the ending and nobody's going to read this should I spoil it or should I not so you know so I'll not uh, so Sleepwalker I talked about I talked about in the last couple of podcasts I could talk about uh, X-Men Extermination which is the end of uh, the original five storyline uh, that uh, was that Bendis originally started where the original five X-Men from the 60s are now in present day Beast brought them back to show the X-Men and Cyclops in particular mm-hmm. you know how they should be Cyclops and they ended up dead and they ended up stuck uh, you know the worry was that Jesus what's what's happening if our original selves are in the present day How what, what happens now you know what I mean so uh, Extermination is the story about how that finishes about how and even if the original five go back to the past, the original, how are they not going to take the experiences that they have with them? They're now completely different people. They've been in the present day for four or five yeah. years. That you know, they're totally changed. Dice Man's now gay. He wasn't before. You know what I mean? Uh, Angel now has fiery wings. He had feathery ones yeah. before. Uh, Jean Grey's now extremely powerful. Cyclops knows that he's dead. <laughs> you know, it's all a wee bit, you know, squiffy. Uh, oh, and Beast is a sorcerer rather than a scientist. Uh, you know, so that... Science is like magic. Yeah, it's just magic. magic. It's, it's just science that they haven't explained yet. That's it. See, was that Arthur C. Clarke? <laughs> I think it might. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, so extermination, and then of course that moment that I love Cable, which makes it a particularly uh, painful thing whenever Cable murders Cable. Uh, you don't know who do you love and who do you hate. Um, so we're not going to talk about that. It's too confusing. Um, <laughs> you know. Marvel comic books are confusing. <laughs> yeah. That story involves time travel and two cables. Just leave it alone. Uh, I could give the love to image. Uh, I could talk about the one image title I haven't talked about, which was uh, Rock Candy Mountain by uh, Iman Kyle uh, Stratton. Yeah, exactly. Yep, start starting Stratton. Yeah, Strang. anyway, great story based on the Clary McClintock tune, Big Rock Candy Mountain, about the hobo paradise. Uh, just a fantastic book. I ended up getting it in two trades. Uh, what a beaut. That, that's another fantastic book. Uh, a Hobo, uh, The Spear of Destiny, A Hobo Mafia, Riding the Rails. Great book. It's just worth worth reading. It's really fantastic, really fantastic art. I'm not going to talk about that either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the suspense. I could talk about IDW's The Prisoner. Sequel to the fantastic uh, psychedelic, could have been written by Grant Morrison 60 series. Oh, it wasn't that involved a lot of, either. Yeah. 
Was it Titan? Titan, it's Titan Publishing, yeah. So he's not talking about that because he got it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about White Knights because you've already talked about no, that. No, what we're going to talk about is uh, a creator-owned series by an Irish uh, writer, artist, uh, that I was first made aware of whenever I walked into the store at first. Uh, and uh, it's called Half Past Danger by Stephen Mooney. Nice. Uh, Half Past Danger was last year at least the, the, the hardback trade that I so have was last year oh, what I can't talk about is Half Past Danger 2 which like is subtitled okay. Dead to Rikes <laughs> which is just a fantastic title I mean Half Past Danger has the easiest elevator pitch in the world it's Indiana Jones meets Jurassic Park okay, that's man. it done done that's literally it. That's all I need. All you need to say. Uh, That's all I fucking need. The original Half Past Danger uh, followed uh, U.S. Marine Sergeant Tommy Irish Flynn, uh, who is a three and three, three and three Irishman. You know, drinks a lot. Drinks a lot. It's set in 1943, which is prime Indiana Jones time. Yeah. Uh, you know, during uh, World War Two, uh, he leads uh, a team onto this island. He's discovered where Nazis are herding dinosaurs. Um, the Nazis are using the dinosaurs as to, weapons. as weapons. They, there's something in their genetics that's going to create a, a, a bug that's going to be genetically modified to wipe out everyone who is not of Aryan stock. You know what I mean? So, you know, just classic, you know, uh, Reich, you know, Third Reich, yeah. you know. Nazis, Nazis, yeah, exactly, stuff. Uh, and the story involves uh, a, a Russian femme fatale, uh, a, an American, uh, Captain America clone type, uh, and uh, a, a Japanese ninja who has a dinosaur as a pet. <laughs> it's, it's everything you want in a book. Uh, Half Past Danger 2, Dead to Rikes, <laughs> follows up exactly with that where they, where, they, where they have to go back and discover what the, the Nazis are doing. It's a lovely follow-up. Um, Nazis, dinosaurs, ninjas, femme fatales. It's class. And as Alan described it, it's a cross between Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Ada, an Irishman who likes whiskey, a wee bit of Captain America, and you're good to go. Yeah. It's, what else that's, do you need? That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, great it's, stuff. It's, uh, that's a great shout. I was not thinking that's where you were leading us with your uh, best movie series. <laughs> yeah. I have to admit, I didn't know where it was going, but mm-hmm. uh, and that's an IDW book. Yeah, IDW. So creator own Stephen Mooney both writes it and draws it. Mm-hmm. I believe he does indeed. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's just a cracking title. It's, I'm pretty sure I've got the hardcover in stock in the store at the moment. Um, of the first part, and then uh, must check on Dead to Rikes actually. And make mm-hmm. sure to get that Even that stuff. title is fantastic. Oh yeah. Dead to rights. It, it's it's a series that knows what it is. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it can have a bit of fun with that yeah. sort of and it, symbolism uh, and titles. I think we talked about it at the time. The reason that I love it is because it casts my mind back to a series that I myself, my brother, really loved. Yeah. Uh, called Xenozoic Tales, uh, which again, well, it's a black and white. It's a pulpy. It's pulpy in the same way as this is pulpy, uh, and it's it's a post apocalyptic story about, you know, after. The world goes mad through due to environmental disaster, um, you know, and humanity. What's left of it ends up in shelters, you know, under the ground. And whenever they come, whenever they come back up, 
years later the world is has been taken over by nature and dinosaurs now rule the earth again uh fantastic stuff uh, <laughs> and that was the inspiration for uh the comic book cartoon series uh called cadillacs and dinosaurs uh, so yeah, so this is what this is where that goes. It's almost like me. a spiritual successor. It is to kind it. of a spiritual successor yeah. to it a wee bit. Yeah. Well, that's it. When I first recommended it to you and got it in for you, you ended up throwing me your uh, Zenozoic Tales copies trace, of yeah. those. So yeah. and I had a I had a blast reading through those. So. Yeah, and interesting. That book is also written and drawn by the same guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he's he's the. Do you reckon it's a case of like they pitch it and they're like, right, I need an artist. What's it for? So it's a it's a story where there's dinosaurs. And there's treasure hunters, and there's war criminals, and there's fem. No, yep, do yourself. Who? <laughs> <laughs> what? What artist would not jump at ninjas, dinosaurs, fem fatales, right. Captain America? Uh, yeah, maybe that's a good point. Maybe they thought they couldn't do it justice. Or yeah, anyway, I don't know. Um, cool. So that was uh, best miniseries. Um, so for myself, Cosmic Ghost Rider, for Kieran, Nightwing New Order, and for Keith, eventually. Uh, <laughs> after six intro titles <laughs> half past danger to dead thrikes um, cool so we are coming towards the end now uh, well I say coming towards the end we have six categories to go but uh, again we'll stick a little pin on it there and take a quick break and we'll be right back mm-hmm. 